Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. So we're going to be talking about creating champions. And what I want to say, if by any chance I had, Lisa and I had anything to do Okay, with Pastor Dustin and Jamie and the champions they are today, you better listen to me today, all right? You just might get some of that, all right? So we're excited about being here today. Well, a number of years ago, I was uh, watching television. I was watching a horse race. Now, that doesn't happen very much for me. Not a big horse race fan. I know about Secretariat and Seabiscuit or something like that, and that's just about all, okay? But I was watching a horse race, and there was a particular horse that I was watching, and really, the whole world was watching. And, the, and it was a, a horse named Funny Side. Funny Side. And Funny Side was a product of Two racehorses. One of the the, the, the the male was distorted humor. Okay. The female was Bell's good side, which made funny side. All right. And so the 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 breeder was so pumped and excited when they found out that that it had taken. And they had a full drop and it was a colt. They named him Funny Side. They had so much hopes and, and dreams because the breed was just an awesome breed. But their hopes were dashed just a few months into it because, because of a medical issue, um, it looked like Funny Side had to be castrated, which is not a good thing for a racehorse and not a good thing for a future pedigree that they were counting on. The owners gave up on him. They gave up on him. They sold him for $22,000, which is nothing for a racehorse of that caliber. He ended up having to have the procedure, and he later was sold for $75,000 to a particular trainer. And this trainer had 10, 10 guys uh, that were like from the hood. They were homies, all right? And they, they all put $5,000. They'd never, ever invested in horse racing. And they said, let's just do it. And they put $5,000 in a piece. And so they, and they ended up buying Funny Side for $75,000. Now, let me just say this. Although every, just about every person, okay, gave up on Funny Side, Funny Side became an unbelievable racehorse. He won so many races. He won the, the Kentucky Derby. He won the Preakness. And, and that's why I was watching because he was one leg away from winning the Triple Crown, which is a feat that very, very few horses ever happened, especially geldings. It's been since 1920-something uh, or something like that. And so for this horse to be there, it was amazing. And so when people gave up on this horse, one of them gave up and sold him for $22,000. Another guy gave up and, and sold him for $75,000. Thought he made a really good profit there. Well, the horse, the horse, listen, that so many people gave up on, and it was sold for seventy-five grand. ended up, listen to this, earning $3,529,412. You know, when others saw loser, someone saw champ. Let me just tell you something. There are people in the world that are looking for somebody to say, you're a champ, you're not a loser. And so today I want to talk with you about how to create champions. 
Are there, is there anybody in, in the house that's a leader? Is there anybody in the house that's a world changer? Anybody here, though, that's a world changer? That's a planet shaker? Anybody who wants to have great influence in the kingdom of God? Let me just tell you something. Today, the message is for you. The message is for you. You know, I've learned that, that if you want to change the world, you've got to change your world. How do you change our world? You get the focus off of ourselves and start having your focus be upon your legacy. You stop focusing so much on who you are and what you are or what you're not. Start focusing on the people that you influence and you will begin to change the world. Will you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16? That's right before, by the way, 2 Samuel. So you'll find it, right? I believe that with the Lord's help, Literally, you can create champions and, and those people that you've influenced, you're influencing. You know, so many of us are parents and we want to create champions, don't we? So many of us are business owners and we want our team to be, you know, uh, rock stars. We want them to have great victory. You know, some of us oversee students and we want to see those students influence and be champions. And that is what we're talking about today. You know, so in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see where the prophet Samuel, okay, is influencing David, who ended up being King David. Do you remember? And so in this passage, uh, the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. Jesse, okay, is David's dad. And so there's one reason that the prophet Samuel is there, and it's to find the king and anoint him. And so that's where we pick up, 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. So it was when they came that they looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. Eliab must have been something to look at. Eliab had it going. I think he was, I, I, I think he was bowed up a little bit and jacked. I really do. I think he had the nice hairdo. I think he was tall. I think he was jacked. I mean, I, I, I got the feeling that you'll see what I'm talking about. And so I think, and he was the oldest. And so Jesse was so excited about throwing Eliab out there right at the front. But let's see what happens. It says, when Eliab was there, it says, but the Lord said, the, the, the Samuel said, do not look at the appearance or the, the physical stature. He, he appeared good. He had physical stature, but I refused him, the Lord said. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 10, thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, nope, the Lord's not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all? Are, are these all yours? Do you not have any any other young men? Well, there remains yet the youngest. Okay, the youngest. His name's David, but he's just a shepherd boy. The scripture says right here. He says, you know, obviously he wasn't of stature, so I'm thinking he was a pretty short dude. All right, and and, and the scripture says he was ready. That means he was a ginger. He was redhead, all right? There we go. So he was shorter. He was redheaded. It says he had a beautiful face, and he had great eyes. And so you could imagine what he looked like. And that's somewhat what David looked like. And, uh, and it, says, um, it says, And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. 
Then Samuel took the horn. We're looking in verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of the oil, anointed him in the midst of the brothers. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. We'll talk to you about how to create champions. First of all, you got to see, all right? Three adverbs that will help, three verbs that will help you. You've got to see. I'm not the best in English, all right? So three verbs, I believe, and if that's not right, let me know. See, all right, is a verb, all right? See. And uh, what, what do we see? We have to see the champion in people. We've got to see the champion in people. How many of you know who Khalil Mack is? Anybody, anybody know who Khalil Mack is? Khalil Mack holds the the, the, the record with the NCAA football of two records, one of forcing fumbles, the second of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. In 2014, Khalil Mack was, was picked in the first round, not only the first round, but the fifth pick overall, okay, to the Raiders. Any Raider fans here? Good. Okay, so we're good. Don't have to cast no demons out or nothing like that. All right, skull and crossbone, all that stuff, you know. And so, and, but in 2015, the next year, his first year, he literally became the first, first team all-pro in the NFL history to be elected to two different positions in the same year. He got all-pro as a defensive end, and he got all-pro as a linebacker. Never happened before. His rookie season, absolutely amazing. He is a champion caliber athlete. But he wasn't always a champion. Well, I read a little bit more about Khalil Mack this week and found out that when he came out of high school, he wasn't even a promising prospect. He wasn't a five-star recruit. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a four-star recruit, okay? He, and, and, and on the recruiting services, he wasn't even a three-star recruit. Khalil Mack literally says, I was a zero-star recruit. Nobody knew about me. But there was one coach that Khalil Mack saw something. That, that, that he saw something in Khalil Mack. This one coach, his name's Turner Gill, and he was the coach of the University of Buffalo. And uh, not like a powerhouse football conference, okay, or football team. But it was literally the only scholarship offered to Khalil Mack. Turner Gill gave him that scholarship. You see, Turner Gill, in the midst of nobody else being able to see the champion in Khalil Mack, Turner Gill saw it. Turner Gill saw the champion in him. If you want to create a champion, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to see a champion. You want to create a champion out of your son, out of your daughter? Then you better start looking at him, looking at her as a champion. You want to see a champion out of your, your, your wife or your husband? You need to begin to look and say, man, my wife is a champion. My husband is a champion. If you want to see pe people who are your employees, people who work on your team to be awesome and champions, then you've got to see it. You've got to see the champion in each one of them. Samuel looked at David, and he did not look at David with the natural eyes, did he? He didn't. You know, the natural eyes is small, little, red-headed, blue-eyed, green-eyed guy that smells like sheep. <laughs> Youngest. Brothers don't respect him. Dad didn't even bring him to the party, to the anointing party. Okay? Nothing. I mean, Samuel had to see that and like, what's up? 
this guy's got to be a loser. But he didn't see him with the natural eyes. He saw greatness in David. He saw with spiritual eyes. That's what we've got to do. I just wonder, do you look at people with natural eyes? Do you, see, do you look at people with natural eyes? Or do you see beyond? Do you see the best in people? Or do you see the worst in people? Let me just say this. I, I'm so tired of people seeing the worst in people. You know, please don't judge me at my worst. Please don't. I got bad things. Don't judge me on my weaknesses. Please look a little bit at my good things. Will Rogers, the folk teller, said, I've never met a person I didn't like. But sometimes you got to look really hard. Anyone can see the bad in others. Some people say, well, I have the spiritual gift of discernment. And all you do is look at the bad and call out the bad. Let me tell you, it don't take a spiritual gift for that. We all have it. We all see when you, when you got this or I got that. We all see that. It's, it takes no maturity. It takes no spiritual maturity. It takes no emotional maturity. Scientists even say that the brain has what they call a negative bias. There's something in our brain, something in our mind that, that just wants to, to bring forth negativity and see the worst. We call that the flesh, right? We call that the flesh nature, the sin nature. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19. The scripture says, if you extract the precious from the worthless, you will be my spokesman. I'm going to read it again. Extract the precious from the worthless. When something seems worthless, when something doesn't seem valuable, when a person that you're trying to influence doesn't ju just doesn't seem to have it, why don't you dive down a little deeper and extract the precious from them? And the scripture says, when you do that, you'll be You'll, you'll be their spokesman. You'll have influence in their life. You know, we're not called to see their problems. We're called to see their promise, right? Let's not focus on their problem. Let's look at their promise. You know, Coach Gil Turner didn't sit there and look at Khalil Mack and say, well, he's not tall enough or he doesn't run fast enough or he didn't make enough tackles in high school. He looked at the promise. He says, I think, I think this guy can make a good football player. You know, the prophet Samuel, he didn't sit around and, 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 and look at uh, this you know, little guy with red hair and smelling like sheep and go, I don't know about that. He's got problems. I, he looked at the promise. He saw beyond. He looked in the, with spiritual eyes and not natural eyes. Three ways that you can see the champion, practical ways to see the champion in somebody. If you're looking at your children, this is how you can see the champion. You're looking at some of your employees, this is how you can see the champion in them. First of all, focus on their strengths. Please focus on people's strengths, not their weaknesses. Your kids are literally dying for you to focus on their strengths. It is so easy as moms and dads to see what they're doing wrong and focus on correcting everything they're doing wrong. And we end up parenting, okay, literally from uh, behind the eight ball. And instead of speaking life to them, we're literally focusing and we're bringing death to them. Don't focus on what your kids are doing wrong. I'm not saying you let them be unruly. But when's the last time you've spoken and said, hey, I want you to know something, son. 
you've got something great going on here. I love it the way that you're so kind and caring to others. Are you focusing on he didn't clean his room this week? For real. Who cares about a room? I never made a bed in my life. I'm okay. You can come to the parenting seminar, okay, at our marriage conference, and I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to make a bed. What about going after somebody's heart? You know, why fight over something that doesn't even matter in the kingdom? Go after, go after your son's heart. Go after their heart. Speak destiny into them. Let them know they're champions. Secondly, get out of judgment. We got all kind of stuff happening, don't we? We see all kind of stuff, and, and it's just, oh, that person's got that. They're with this person. This is what happened. They did this, and why's that son doing that? And look at this kid doing this, and oh, these young people in the movement, they're doing this, and Hey, instead of complaining, instead of judging, why don't you go invest in them and, and, and get curious and find out what's going on? Why is that person annoying you? Why is that person obnoxious? Why is that person, you know, reaching for attention and, and, and going for attention? Maybe they need some attention. Maybe God's bringing you to give the attention. And so get out of judgment and get into curiosity. Thirdly, look for the best. Look for the best in people. Just look for the best in people. You know, Lisa, my wife, is literally a master at looking for the best in bluebell ice cream. <laughs> I bring home a half gallon of what I thought, okay, was cookie dough ice cream. And by the time my wife looks for the best, okay, Saving calories, okay, going for the best, all right, and going and getting every cookie dough out of there, and it's time for me to get a bowl of ice cream. I got vanilla ice cream. There's a point there. There's a point there. Get two half gallons ice cream and hide with the other one. The point is, find the best. Mine, look at someone's life and begin to mine. Begin to extract the precious from the worthless, the precious from the vile. Look for the champion and others. Secondly, speak. The second verb we're going to talk to, to you about today is speak, all right? All right, so speak. What do you speak? Speak what you see. If you see something, speak it. You know, my children, most of you know that I have a 17-year-old daughter, a 21-year-old daughter, and a 23-year-old son, okay? They were all born in July, so they're all getting ready to have a birthday. That tells you that October's a really good month at the Collins household, all right? Nine months. Yes, that's it. It's a good month, all right? So October's a great month. Football season, hunting season. I'll stop right there because Pastor D's probably watching, all right? So don't want to get in trouble. Each one of my children... On their 13th birthday, we did something special for them. We, we, we gave them a trip, and it was kind of a calling him to manhood, calling our ladies to ladyhood or whatever you call it, all right, womanhood. All right, there we go. And, uh, and, and, and then we threw them a huge surprise party, invited all their friends, all of our friends that are helping us raise them. We, brought, we, we invited our family members, you know, all the different people that have impacted their lives. And we, we got food, we got cake, we're swimming, we're having a great time. And then daddy does something. 
He pulls, he stops all the fun, all right? And he pulls everybody together in the big family room. And I get a chair out and I put it in the middle of the room. And I said, Stephen, sit here. Hannah, sit here. Sarah, sit here. On their 13th birthday. And they sit there and we're surrounding them. And I said, this is my son. He's becoming a man. This is my daughter. She's becoming a woman. They're a man of God. He's a man of God. They're women of God. And I, and I said, I want you to help me to speak things into existence in their life that you see. And they would begin to say, and at 13 years of age, my son, you talk about mining. We'd have to find something really good, all right? We got digging deep in that ice cream, all right? I mean, we're digging deep. And people were digging deep saying, Stephen, you got this call on your life. And they were speaking prophetically over him. His, and, and some of his friends are like, what the heck's going on here, you know? And, and then we'd pray. Whatever was said, we prayed those things into existence. You see, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about speaking. You see something, but you also have to speak something. Scripture says in Ephesians 4.29, don't use harmful words, but use helpful words. The kind that what? Build up. we got to use our words to build up. You want to see it? You want a champion to produce from your influence? Then you need to see them and you need to start speaking it on. Have you, have you said to the person that, might, that you're influencing, hey, I just want you to know, I see a call on your life. I see there's a purpose on your life. God created you on purpose with a purpose. You know, I see that you're strong. You're set apart. You're something different. Have you spoken to your children that way? Do you speak to your wife or your husband that way? Do you believe in your team members that you serve with? Do you believe with the students that, that look to you for influence? You can speak into their life. You see, you can change their world by changing your words. You can change their world by literally changing your world. You know, Samuel not only saw David with spiritual eyes, but when he anointed him, he spoke. Now, we don't know if he spoke anything verbally, but the anointing process and what it symbolized was, I'm speaking this, you are set apart for God. God's hand is upon you. The Spirit of God rests on you. You will accomplish the purpose that God's created you for. That's what we need to be speaking to our children, to those that we're influencing. Remember Jeremiah 15, 19? If you extract the precious from the worthless, listen to the last part of the verse, then you will become my spokesperson. I hear a lot of people say, Pastor, man, I just want to increase in the kingdom. I want my influence increased. I'll tell you how to influence your, to increase your influence. You find the good in someone, and you call it out. You find the champion quality in them, and you call it out, and guess what? They're going to want you to speak into their life. A little bit of a tough word here. Buckle up, all right? You very well might not have influence with your children, might not have influence with your team members, your employees. You might not have influence with your family, or anybody that you're trying to influence, you might not have that influence with them because you might not see the precious in them. And you're focusing on the worthless. Why do we want to do that? 
That's what Satan does. He's the accuser of the brethren. <laughs> That's how God, God believes in us. He believes the best in us. We have his DNA. So you got to see, you got to say, thirdly, you got to save. You got to save. There's going to be a point in time in your, in, with your future champions, all right, that they're probably going to need to be saved from a situation, from a season of discouragement, from a failure, from a fall. They're going to need you to help them and to save them. 1 Samuel 19 is a really cool and funny passage, all right? Stick with me. Now, the, the distressing spirit, this is after da David was anointed, then he killed Goliath. He's still not king yet. Saul is still there. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in a hand. And David was playing music with the harp, with his hand, singing. Then Saul... He sought, he aimed, he desired to pin David to the wall with the spear. Now, where does that come from? Like, what's that about? I see this guy, and then he's playing worship music, and I want to pin him against the wall with this javelin, all right? But he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he, as, and, and he drove this spear into the wall. So David fled. So literally, he's there doing this. The spear goes out. David moves. I think that's my exit. Time to go. And, and, and the scripture says he left. It says, so David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel. Who did he see? Huh, I wonder why he went to Samuel. He was at his lowest point. He was at a point where he thought he was going to die. He had the king, the most powerful man in the world, and his army chasing him. Where'd he go? To his spokesman, right? The one who saw something special in him. The one who spoke something special on him. His spokesman. He went, he went to Samuel. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, it says he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived and Saul sent, got troops coming after him now. Okay, But when they arrived, they saw Samuel leading a, a prayer group. A Holy Ghost meeting or something, all right? They were leading a group of prophets, and they were prophesying, prophesying, okay? The Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, the troops, all right? The Spirit of God jumps on Saul's men. I don't think they were like open-handed, like, oh, I receive from you, Holy Spirit, okay? Possess me. No, it, the Spirit of God jumped on them, all right? The Spirit of God jumped on them, and, and it says, um, he came to Saul's men, and they began, and they began to prophesy, Man, I don't, what is going on? This is some meeting. It gets better, okay, or worse. We'll see, whatever you want to think. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops. But they, too, prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. So three groups of men, soldiers, coming to, to, kill, to kill David. And Samuel has some kind of Holy Ghost service going. And every time David needs to be saved, Samuel's there. And the Spirit of God jumps on the soldiers and turns them back. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah. And arrived, Saul said, I'm, okay, I'll take care of matters, put matters in my own hand here. And arrived at the great well in Siku. He says, where are Samuel and David? It's the king literally coming out. The king and his posse, I'm sure. 
he demanded. And it says, they are at Naoth and Ramah. Someone told him, but on the way to Naoth and Ramah, it says, the Spirit of God, <laughs> come on, you with me now? Y'all follow me? The Spirit of God came even upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. Okay, the next verse gets a little freaky deaky, all right? Here we go. It said, I don't know, I, don't, I really don't want the Spirit of God to break out in church 1132 in this way, all right? He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel, the one who's saving David, the one who influenced David. The people who were watching exclaimed, what? Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, I think it needs to be more than what? Like, what the, you know, what? What's going on here? What's happening? Is even Saul a prophet? You see, the champions that you have influenced, they're going to need you. Down the road, they're going to need you. More specifically, they're going to need the Spirit of God in you to save them. Your kids are going to have some type of heartbreak. They're not going to get into the particular college or on the team that they wanted. Your wife or husband is going to be brokenhearted. Some of your team members, man, they're going to be hurting and discouraged. Some of your, the people that you've influenced, they're going to have bankruptcy. Or it could be that they're just having some major attack of the enemy, but they're going to need you. At their worst and lowest point in their lives, guess what's, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I've seen it over and over and over. They're going to reach out to you. They're going to reach out to the one who believed in them. They're going to reach out to the one that they were vulnerable with. They're going to reach out and they're going to say, I need help. I'm at my lowest point of need. And guess what's going to happen? When they reach out to you, the power of God in and through you is going to touch them and, and it's going to restore them and it's going to heal them and it's going to encourage them and they're going to be saved in that situation. You see, we got to see it. We got to speak it, but we got to be there to save them. We got to be there. I can't tell you the amount of people that have come to me over the years that say, Pastor, when I was at my worst, when I was ready to throw in the towel, Pastor, whenever, whenever, uh, we were just about to hang up our marriage. You know, we reached out. You were there. God touched us through that. That's the way it happens. God wants us to be there to walk people out through those difficult times. In closing, most of you have heard this statement, but the, really the only difference between the word champ and chump is the letter U. You literally can be the difference of the people that you influence, whether they're going to be champions or chumps. I understand God does it, I but God uses us. And if you have a sphere of influence that people look to you, it's our responsibility. It's not, it's not just a privilege, but it's our responsibility to see the best, to call forth a champion spirit out of them. My dad will be 86 years of age this Wednesday. 
It's his birthday. My dad has been a kingdom builder. He has, he has been a legacy maker all my life. I've literally seen him impact hundreds of people as a businessman and as a man committed to the church as a leader. He raised five children, kind of still raising us some, all right? Raised five children, 16 grandchildren, hospital administrator, churchman. But he always, it wasn't always like that. When he was a little kid, he had some difficult things that he had to go through. He remembers in his kindergarten class that, um, you know, he, he was a terrible speaker. He had a terrible speech impediment. He stuttered. He stammered to the point to where nobody could understand him. Didn't want to talk in front of anyone. He also uh, would have been diagnosed and classified as dyslexic. Had a very difficult time reading and picking that up. He also just happened to be colorblind and they didn't know it at that time. So you think about this. The teacher says, hey, here's an assignment. There's an apple. I want you to color the apple red. Put your name on the paper and, and, and turn it in. And so they all do that. My dad, you know, my dad, you know, colors it and what he thought was red. And the next thing you know, he said, the teacher says, what's wrong with this one? This is Stevens. What's wrong with this one? By the way, my dad is short and ready. All right. And so I'm pretty good looking. It's kind of where I get my face from. So just, what's wrong with this one? And the kids started laughing. <laughs> Stephen doesn't know his colors. He doesn't know his colors. Then there were times where he'd come in from recess and he'd forget to go to the bathroom. And he needed to pee really badly. And he needed to raise his hand and ask the teacher. But he couldn't do it. Because he didn't want to speak in front of people and people make fun of him. And more than one time, he chose to urinate right there in his chair over raising his hand. The second or third time, he remembers a young boy going, Stephen's doing it again. The teacher met with my grandmother, Mama C. Mama C. Strong. Mama C was, I mean, she was it. She was strong, powerful woman of God, powerful leader. And she met with her, and the teacher, you know, probably a young teacher, says, you know, your son, Stephen, he is very slow. And he needs to be held back. She, she's like, I have none of that. <laughs> oh, she was going to have none of that. And Mama C ordered a... a, a, a in the mail, um, in, in, in the mail program, okay, to teach him how to read. And she sat there and taught him how to read. And she says, Stephen, there's no one in that class smarter than you. And she'd speak it on him. No one in that class smarter than you. And then she got a therapist and began to start helping with his speech. And Mama C was there every day helping with it, teaching him how to speak, how to read. You know, there were a lot of people that looked at him as worthless. But you see, Mama C saw him as priceless. 
Others saw that he was slow, but Mama C saw that he was strong. Others saw that he had problems. They saw the problems, but she saw the promise. Others saw the worthless, but she saw the precious. Let me tell you something. Others saw a chump, but my grandmama, Mama C, saw a champ, and she developed a champion out of him. I don't know about you, but I think it's time for us to start creating some champions. I think right here in this room, we have leaders, we have world changers that literally have in your heart to create champions from your children, from those who you influence. And I'm telling you today, you have what it takes. You can see the best in people. You can speak champion ideas to them, and you can walk them through that. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.